Welcome everyone to Chat with the Designers, your live, online, interactive, almost monthly magazine for hams, home brewers, and experimenters across the fruited plains. My name is George, N2APB, and helping me with hosting is uh, Joe, N2CX, from up in New Jersey, Dave, AD7JT, from down in Arizona, and Duane, uh, KV4QB, is a guest with us for this evening, and hopefully he'll be joining us uh, in future ones as well as we continue to evolve the theme of test equipment you can build. So... Uh, this uh, this episode this month and it's good to be back on the uh, on a regular track now. My my uh, move back to or down to Tennessee hopefully is is shaking free a lot of the normal equipment that I have here in the lab, getting things operational, and really happy to see things indeed coming together. If you've been following on the uh, the reflector, we uh, we've been posting various bits and pieces advancing toward tonight's capabilities and you might have had a clue as to what we were doing even before you heard the topic of tonight's episodes which is a tale of three platforms for those of you uh, with enough memory cells a tale of two cities started with something like this it was the best of times it was the worst of times and the book continues well we had adopted that uh, that theme for tonight because over the last couple three months since we've uh, really been introducing capabilities of, of signal generation, a voltmeter, uh, DC voltmeter, RF voltmeter, and some other uh, gadgets for our test gadget motherboard. Two other computing platforms, if you will, came into being, that of the, uh, the Teensy controller and the ESP32 controller. We started off with the Arduino Nano, but for a variety of reasons that we're going to hear about tonight, from each of the individual developers, the Teensy and the ESP32 kind of came to the forefront when it comes time for additional power, memory. And the beauty is that they all three now, the, uh, the Nano, the Teensy, and the ESP32, are all controlled via the Arduino IDE, the Integrated Development Environment. The same uh, windows that you're familiar with for programming in our, uh, the Arduino sketches that you've been doing thus far are applicable to the individual um, processors that we're going to be speaking about. But uh, before we get into things here tonight, I wanted to go around the horn, as we say in, uh, in baseball, and kind of introduce everybody, and especially uh, for the newcomers and our new guest. Again, my name is George N2APB, formerly up in Maryland, but now down in just outside Knoxville, Tennessee, on a lake and kind of a retirement home, I guess maybe almost a, a retirement home. And with me is, uh, as we said, Joe N2CX. Joe, you want to say a few words? Sure. Thank you, George. Yeah. Uh, Joe N2CX, longtime ham experimenter. I like to fiddle with things, both hardware and software. Got a lot of a uh, lot of interest. And uh, test equipment is a uh, common theme, something George and I and the other guys really share. Test equipment has been a long-time interest. We had uh, some QQ articles back in, oh gosh, I don't know how far back, called Test Equipment and More, and also something about computing, QRP computing. I, I was doing that article for a while. So we had a lot of fun with those articles, and technology has kind of caught up to us a bit, and uh, now we're kind of riding that, uh, that wave forward. Dave, AD7JT, out in uh, sunny, uh, probably still sunny and quite hot, Arizona. You want to introduce yourself briefly, Dave? Okay. Yeah, I'm here about 117 here today. I've been in my retirement home now for uh, 13 years. 
I retired back in 2005 and had gotten out of amateur radio for uh, quite a while. I never lost the interest in it. I was originally licensed back in 1952, I believe it was, and uh, got back into it, got relicensed, got involved with George, and been working as hard as I ever have ever since. <laughs> Dave is is a fascinating, brilliant uh, designer, and takes uh, takes an idea forward and comes back and and has some implementations that are just uh, unbelievable. Uh, Dave's working closely with me on, in the midnight uh, design types of projects, and we've already started rolling out some of of his gems. We're going to see some more. But for tonight's episode, he joins our, uh, actually, on an ongoing basis, Dave is with us uh, on chat with the designers. When we announced our intentions, or I'm not sure exactly how it happened, Dwayne, uh, KV4QB, Dwayne, um, you, you were... You were experimenting with the ESP32 totally on your own, maybe totally unbeknownst to anybody else, and then you had poked your head in on um, a couple of the chat with the designers when we started talking about the test gadget measurement station and our plans going forward, and you took it upon yourself to kind of maybe even uh, kind of uh, make your own little motherboard and, and arrangement and I think now maybe we're trying to converge that, and that's going to be the topic of Dave's, uh, of Dwayne's section um, in this evening's program. But for now, Dwayne, why don't you introduce yourself um, and uh, say hello to the gang. All right, George, this is Dwayne, KV4QB, uh, retired down here in Atlanta area for about five or six years now. I've been in electronics for 50-some years. I think I was originally licensed in 1964. And after about nine years of the Army, I spent most of my time working in some sort of instrumentation, neurological, geophysical, something like that. Uh, I have been working on a couple of projects on and off for the last couple of years using the Arduino platform. And I kept running out of uh, memory and RAM and processing power, so I looked around at a couple of different type processors. I used the uh, STEM32. I think I've got a couple of couple of teensies, and then I found the ESP32. And originally, it wasn't going to be part of the test gadget. It was what I built up was mainly a test platform for uh, uh, developing some of my other stuff, but it's kind of gotten to the point where it's turning into the uh, 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 test gadget. That's it. All right. Very happy to have you with us, Dwayne, and uh, thanks for that intro. Sorry about uh, the mention of Florida. I forgot that you were in, in, uh, in Georgia. Actually, probably just about two, depending on where you are um, in Atlanta, just about two and a half to three hours south of me right here off the 75. But um, nice to... Uh, Nice to have you with us, and we are certainly going to learn a lot and, and, and actually kind of grow our platforms based on, on your own input and experimentation, so I thank you for that in advance. Okay, well, why don't we get into the program? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really a simple program tonight, but it's a fascinating one for anybody who has been playing with the Arduino Nano thus far, has been the topic of our, of our um, has been the center of our test gadget measurement system. Um, Joe is going to describe what we call the platform number one and the nano, uh, recapping well, where we've been, what our direction 
has been and still is going to be. And I think we're going to wrap up with maybe a game plan for how to move forward. Because you will find that each of our platforms, the Nano, the Teensy, and the ESP32, have, have different angles based on what you want to be doing. So uh, we have an interesting way to summarize that at the end, but I think you'll be able to glean um, some of those highlights if you want. If you're a minimalist uh, type of experimenter, if you're a, an absolute low-cost uh, reusability, small-scale individual node, if you're into a maximum what we call the gadget rack, what Dave has developed is called the gadget rack uh, software. Um, the sketch that has all of the capabilities in an incrementally growing manner. You'll need some power. Um, or maybe you want uh, a, um, a platform, a test station that has Wi-Fi capabilities and all the things that might happen with Wi-Fi. And Dwayne's going to be speaking about that. So you'll probably be able to pick, uh, put together the, the matrix, the uh, what would we call it, Joe? The uh, the usability matrix or the uh, the specific market, maybe that market segment that uh, that you're interested in. But Joe N2CX, please take it away and tell us about platform number one, the Arduino Nano. Okay, very good. Thank you, George. Good intro. Yeah, as as uh, George and I have been fiddling around with various things, it became apparent that um, <clears throat> you do a lot of um, Good test equipment things by yourself. Um, the availability of a lot of integrated circuits and such these days and some little digital pieces have made it um, easy for the uh, home brewer to uh, come up with uh, uh, test devices, I'll, I'll call them that, um, to do a number of uh, test equipment things on your own without having to buy uh, large expensive you know, tens of thousand dollar pieces of test equipment. And what we started out with was uh, the Arduino Nano, a relatively simple processor that does, is very inexpensive. It's got a lot of input-output capability and um, reasonably powerful uh, beginning uh, software to it that can be used as a controller to um, talk to other pieces of um, of electronic stuff, I'll call it stuff. Um, the the very basic thing, if you look at the uh, sketch of the test gadget measurement station, has a nano in the middle. Um, we put it on a plug-in card, um, and there are um, there are sockets, pin sockets along the edge that you can plug other things into it. Um, the very basic thing is, uh, of course, a power supply of some sort. Um, but a rotary encoder that is connected to the nano so that you can control what it's doing. You can select functions of what it's doing. And a, um, a 16 by 2 liquid crystal display so that you can actually see what's happening. You can uh, monitor what, uh, what the device is doing, and it'll give you uh, displays of um, numeric or alphanumeric displays of, of what it's doing. Um, some of the simple things, the uh, the level zero things we've done with it are little little gadget plug-in board, uh, an RF power detector, which allows you to look at um, RF signals and produce a uh, DC voltage that then the Arduino can measure and um, uh, use a little bit of math to um, to tell you how much RF voltage you have. 
Uh, and along with that is a, um, a plug-in signal generator gadget, which is based on a um, um, DDS chip. Uh, it's actually a DDS60 board that produces a sine wave, uh, an RF sine wave, whose frequency can be controlled from the, uh, from the Arduino uh, via uh, some signal lines. And in the uh, simplest sketch, what we've shown here is um, the Arduino controlling the uh, signal generator. Signal generator is then fed to a test circuit of some sort. In this case, we have a, um, a low-pass filter. And then the output of the low-pass filter goes to the um, um, RF detector board, which then feeds a signal back to the uh, uh, measurement station. So the idea here is that the Arduino can um, make the signal generator produce a signal, sweep it in frequency. Um, the RF detector looks at this RF output, feeds a signal, a DC signal back to the Arduino Nano, and you can measure the uh, frequency response of the uh, circuit under test, and then display the results on the uh, um, on the liquid crystal display. <clears throat> Relatively simple-minded, um, it. For all its simplicity, it has an awful lot of power. <clears throat> and even if you have something more sophisticated in, in uh, terms of things you want to do with a, a test station, this would be a good uh, starting point to, um, to develop um, other modules to plug in and test them. Because it's very, very simple to program and to use uh, and to, um, to check out other uh, test modules you want, might want to make. So this would be a, um, a basic backup system that you can use as a, a uh, unsophisticated test board to uh, to proceed to possibly something better with a, a more powerful processor. Um, and as you'll see uh, in the other two modules, or the other two uh, test gadget setups, they have much more power and they're capable of doing much more. But this is this is a very simple thing, simple grasp, easy to build, and uh, relatively easy to uh, to program. Uh, back to you, George. Oh, fine overview, Joe. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, good job on the the simplicity um, of both the uh, the sketch software as well as the gadgets that we envision. You know, putting into this test man uh, this test gadget measurement station over throughout the rest of the uh, year's episodes. Um, I, in the chat box, I put a, a grid of the various test functions that we do envision for this um, test measurement system. Um, the link is back on our, um, our show from, oh golly, wow, was that February? We had a break because of the, my move, but in February we had uh, um, a vision there. You can probably take a look at it sometime, and I think a point that we wanted to really stress with the the nano version of the uh, of the test gadget is that um, we're going to keep probably a simplistic um, individual one sketch per item that we uh, one sketch per gadget that we're going to be supporting um, going forward. So, in other words, for this test, the SIGGEN um, project that we talked about last time. We have a simple sketch that illustrates how to control the SIGGEN. Uh, we have a simple sketch um, 
in a previous episode about how to measure the RF power detector. And then we take the signal from the SIGGEN as a signal source, but it could be any signal source coming in to that RF detector. Simplistic circuits to illustrate the, the approach, the, um, again, the simplicity, uh, the straightforward nature. Um, that's kind of present in the main purpose for the nano. Uh, Dave, in the early um, stages, Dave, 87JT, uh, took, took it upon himself to develop the, a framework for the, this, uh, for the two gadgets shown here and, and combine them into a single program called the, uh, um, the Gadget Rack. And I think it ends at Gadget Rack 1 because we run out of power and uh, memory, perhaps, to handle more and more gadgets that are being plugged in. But the main illustration point is that there will always be a gadget, uh, a software sketch, to run on the Nano that's going to be able to illustrate functions like this, the, DDC, the DDS60 SIGGEN. Um, I'm going to I'm going to steal some of uh, Dwayne's code and put that into the Nano to have a an SI5351 SIGGEN that's supported by a Nano sketch. Thus, you can pull this the required information together in order to produce a small uh, signal generator with the Nano and the SI5351 or with your DDS60 or have a, an RF measurement uh, station that's based on your Nano uh, using that particular plug-in. So the idea is simplicity and uh, that's how we all learn. And then ultimately Dave is going to tell you how he grows his his uh, gadget rack up to version 2 at least now by having more and more of these, these um, gadget plug-ins supported. Um, are there any hey, questions? Yeah. Yeah. One one thing I didn't mention. There is a um, there is a photo of the uh, of the Nano uh, test gadget there with the um, uh, processor board in the middle and the two plug-in boards that I described in the uh, in the um, block diagram. But there actually is a physical uh, picture of it, so that you can get a uh, an idea of what it looks like. Should have uh, should have thought to do that when I uh, spoke earlier. A good point, and uh, hopefully everybody's kind of scrolling down and looking at everything that we've got here, too. But that's a good point for podcast listeners as well. Um, and that reminds me, and I'll mention it at this point before I turn it over to Dave87JT. Um, uh, all of this, the three platforms that we're talking about, begets the, um, the, uh, the question or the desired result of having a PCB version of each of these motherboards. They're so darn simple. And um, I think we've illustrated uh, with the Nano and as, as you know with uh, Duane's uh, work with the ESP32 that we're going to easily be able to have a, a motherboard that you can unplug any from any of your experimentation thus far and just plug the module in. It'll have a built-in power supply which is simply a uh, an LM7805 or equivalent for 5 volts and uh, maybe even a standard pinout for the gadgets that we're talking uh, that we'll have in the future. More talk on that uh, in just a bit. But uh, any other questions on the Nano before we move along? Okay, um, hopefully some of you have indeed been working on your nano version of the uh, test gadget motherboard and gotten things working. It's, it's pretty straightforward. As we said, just the, with the encoder and the uh, 
controller module itself and the LCD, the serial LCD makes it simple. It's just a, it's a, the two-wire control, the I2C to the uh, display to get it working. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move along and uh, to I'm going to turn it over to Dave. I hope I have the mic. Switch it among windows here. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Dave, 87JT, and Dave is going to talk about platform number two, the Teensy 3.2, the Teensy 3.2. Uh, Dave, uh, why don't you take it away and tell us maybe what led to the Teensy 3.2. It might have been happenstance. It might have been because other experimenters, projects that we follow on the list have uh, been starting to use it, but uh, take her away. Well, the real thing that led me to the Teensy was, uh, oh, I guess it's been a year or so ago, I ordered a PC board from OSH Park, and they had a special going at the same, at that time where they had, uh, they were selling the Teensy on their purple boards for a deal, and so that's, so I said, what the heck, and I bought it. And then, uh, more recently, when we were working on you know, the first gadget rack here, uh, I got interested in this, uh, this this small OLED display, and that takes a little more memory and more power than the than the macro or the micro rather to uh, to drive the thing. And so I looked around what, what to use, and there was a the Teensy sitting there that I hadn't done anything with, so it had about the same shape, you know, same size. In fact, I think it's even a little smaller. And so I put together a, a second gadget rack, if you would, and that became gadget rack two. And as you can see in the picture, uh, it does it, that works fine with the with the display, has plenty of memory. I think George, I think you said you you tried to run this uh, the Adreno uh, sketch uh, in the original uh, gadget rack, and it wouldn't compile because it ran out of memory. Um, so anyway, that's how I got to this thing, and I, at the same time, I've been looking at um, doing a transceiver project, and so that's why I was looking at this DES here, the 8535, whatever it is, uh, with three outputs. Uh, that's also in the picture on there, and so this thing turned out sort of a uh, feasibility model for some of the things I've been thinking about on the... Uh, on, on the transceiver. Uh, anyway, the Teensy is kind of interesting. Uh, I've done a little more research looking at it, and if you, you go to their uh, their website, incidentally, it's it's pjrc.com, <laughs> and if you go to pjrc.com/teensy, uh, you 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 wind up on a page that shows their whole product line. There's uh, about a half a dozen uh, different Teensy models. I'm using the 3.2, which is kind of in the middle. And uh, they have, on that same page, there's links to uh, to, to what they call the, uh, how do they say it, Teensy Dreno? <laughs> anyway, uh, there you can get everything you need. It's very easy to, to load this uh, it's 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 like a a, a plug-in into the Arduino IDE, and uh, all of a sudden you've got uh, support for all the Teensy cards in there, and it, it all came together very painlessly, very easy. And uh, when we got done, uh, it was running just like the uh, original Arduino macro. Uh, so that that's why I've been using there, and. Um, 
I've been able to uh, to prototype, if you would, a feasibility model. Uh, a lot of the things I'm thinking about on the controls, the interface uh, for this transceiver project, plus uh, uh, the DDS, driving the DDS and stuff. Um, the TNC is a um, uh, the, the model I'm using runs at uh, at 72 megahertz, can be over overclocked to 96. Uh, it has 256 kilobytes of, uh, of program memory. Uh, it has 64 kilobytes of RAM, and it and it also has a couple kilobytes of uh, EEPROM, which I find usually very handy. Um, although um, I don't know if I'll ever build that into something, but uh, uh, on something like a, a key or whatnot, the, uh, the EEPROM is very handy, so you have to keep reloading stuff. Uh, it also has, uh, the TNC I'm using has a total of 34 pins, and 24 of them are what they call breadboard I.O. I think that means if you put the pins in them, you can stick it into one of those common breadboards, whatnot. Uh, it also has... Uh, the normal A to D stuff, a 12-bit A to D, but it also has a D, D to A, if you would, a DAC, which is, uh, I guess, more and more processors are starting to have now, but the, in the past, you used, used to have an external DAC if you wanted to create any uh, any analog stuff. Um, and it has the usual UARTs, uh, serial interfaces, and all that stuff. But the main claim to fame being being a 32-bit processor and running at 72 uh, megahertz, it, it kind of runs circles around most of the other stuff I've, I've played with. Did I hear something? Oh, that was me, Dave. I just wanted you to drop your uh, drop your key line for a moment just to make sure that you didn't time out. But uh, please continue on. I'd I'd like to address uh, like to have you address the cost and the value for that. And the power of supporting additional components. Well, the cost, the uh, it's a little more than the Arduino stuff. The particular model I'm running uh, lists at uh, well, it, on, on the PJC uh, PJRC website, they listed it at about 20 bucks. They have something they call a Tinsy Low Cost, which is at about 11.65. Uh, it also is a 32-bit processor, but it's uh, 48 megahertz um, instead of the 72. They also have some models that use the uh, the the Atmel processors, 8-bit processors. Uh, they say they're AVR core processors, which which are almost identical to the uh, Arduino. That's the same processor the Arduino uses. Uh, but then they've got some. Uh, bigger ones too. If you look at their page, they got uh, 3.5 and 3.6 and what makes those kind of unique is they have uh, the uh, floating point processor in them. So if you're ever going to get into some uh, digital uh, signal processing, uh, that's probably the way to go with those guys. Plus they go all the way up to 240 megahertz overclocked. Um, but they're, they're a little more expensive. I'm not going to use it in my uh, transceiver. I'm going to go back to PIC. <laughs> I'm going to use a 40 MIPS 16-bit uh, PIC processor in there, which is plenty for, for what I'm doing. Uh, and, and use the MP Lab and whatnot for software development. I'm in the process of porting it now, which is kind of fun. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, any other questions? Dave, can you tell us about the uh, the display? Uh, you alluded to it. I got it working on my system, and if you were paying attention to the email list, I posted a, a video, a YouTube video that showed my operation uh, and getting it connected and, and so on. But um, I think, uh, well, why don't you tell us, if you could, about the, the upside potential of using such a display? Uh, okay, the, uh, there's a couple things. It, it's a monochrome display, which as opposed to the color displays, which actually simplifies the interface quite a bit. Um, and for my Transigo project, I don't think I need a, a, a colored display. It also has a serial interface, um, which with a color display uh, wouldn't work too good. The, the, the main difference is like the uh, display in the SNA, that we've used before. Uh, that's a color display, but each pixel requires 16 bits. So, uh, it, plus it has a parallel interface, which is uh, you, you've got to play some games there to be able to hook up uh, what the 19 pins that are required to interface it. Whereas uh, this little display is on a, a, a I2C interface, which is only two wires. Uh, It'll go up to one megahertz, one megabit, which is pretty fast. But the big thing is, being a monochrome display, it only requires one bit uh, per pixel. And so each byte you transfer across is actually controlling eight pixels. So there's a lot less data to transfer. Uh, and that makes it much more simple, simple to use also. Uh, it's also arranged, um, it's arranged in, in, in pages, the, the, the memory in there. And there are seven pages. First off, the thing is, is uh, what is it? Uh, I can't remember now. Anyway, there, there, there are eight, eight lines of eight pixels high. So it's 128 by uh, 64 pixels, uh, 64 pixels vertical. And you break that up into eight pages. And what I've done is, is called each one a line. So I've got an eight-line display with the ability to uh, double the height. And so I have a mixture of, of I have a mixture of just uh, uh, single row and double rows, if you would, eight, eight uh, pixels high or 16 pixels high. Uh, and that, that all works pretty good. And the way with this display, which is something you really can't do with the color displays, is it's easy to manage a, uh, just an image of the, uh, of the display in, in RAM and process it there, then just periodically dump it out to the display, which is, that's the way that um, that demo program you were using uh, does it, George. Uh, so you, you can do all the, you know, the formatting and everything in this uh, on-memory display and then just quick dump it out and it's fast enough where you hardly notice, notice any flicker. Like if you're continually just updating one area of the screen, but you but you refresh the whole screen each time, you do, you don't even notice. You just see that one character changing, which is kind of cool. But anyway, uh, any more? Yeah, I think um, I think the opportunity comes about where we can much more easily display graphic information than we can on the two by sixteen display. 
And, I, and you didn't mention the price. I think it's down around $5 at most. You can probably get it cheaper on, on eBay yet. So it's the same um, I2C type of uh, control of a display. Same kind of, uh, looks like the same amount. More information can come out textually and have the ability to do some graphics. If uh, if we can actually continue this, this using this display, I mean, there is opportunity. I'm, I'm sure that you have developed some driver routines that are able to support uh, simplicity of handling what you have just mentioned, such that just simply outputting a print uh, oh, print display. I forgot the print dot display, print dot LCD type of equivalent command would get information out to the display. Um, so that that's that's what really attracted me to it. As we're going to hear in a moment from Dwayne, and as you've seen in in his work thus far, he also found a display a little bit more expensive, albeit probably I don't know. Maybe, well, you'll you'll mention the price, Dwayne. The uh, it's a larger display, perhaps more easily uh, macroizable for. Um, using uh, creating the driver uh, driver routines the driver functions that uh, but nonetheless um, having a larger display with graphic capability might be um, um, a way to go with some of the platforms but again coming back to bare absolute minimum s simplicity the 2x16 display that we show on the uh, that we use on the Arduino Nano platform number one is still quite appropriate and I'm sure that we're going to be able to keep a bit and keep maintain the ability to output to it and uh, maybe a way to configure future platforms or other platforms such as platform two and three to uh, um, to do so as well for minimum displays I don't know we'll just have to see how that comes out any other questions about platform two here for Dave you can see in the picture how simple these things are to put together and yet the capability that Dave is already demonstrating with um, signal generation using the 5351 board you see just to the right of the of, of the teensy and um, you know way that Dave is experimenting with things is uh, kind of the name of the game with us any other questions for Dave okay I gotta remember to press the right uh, or have the right window active when I key the mic so um, thanks a lot Dave good overview and uh, um, as always it's it's really nice experimenting along with you I I try to duplicate replicate everything that Dave does and maybe even taking it in a bit of direct different directions as well and it's, it's hard to keep up with Dave he mentioned the transceiver that might be a subject of a different uh, show but there's all sorts of fun stuff going on behind the scenes this is the tip of the iceberg as we say Yes, sir, George. Uh, uh, the, the displays, I think you can get them for under two bucks. And you, you got to be a little careful, though. If we're going to standardize on it, we better look because there's about three or four different flavors of them. Um, they're pretty much compatible, but a couple of them have switched uh, some pins around on the interface, uh, <laughs> most notably the power pins, which uh, uh, is a little scary. Yeah, ouch. Okay, Dave, that's good. Um, we'll put if if we don't already have it, and I don't. I'm looking up. I don't think we do. We'll put a list of the, your uh, bill of materials for the big items, such that uh, others might want to join in the fun too. I, 
have mine operating just to the side of me here on my bench. The same as I do for platform number three, the ESP32. Dwayne's going to talk about that as far as uh, what he's done and some of where his experimentation has been taking him and uh, and where that might that vector might intersect with chat with the designers, the uh, uh, the test measurement stations for the test gadgets. So, Dwayne, take it away. All right, George. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, this had started out as a finding replacement for the uh, Nanos and the Pro Minis that I had uh, used earlier in a lot of my other projects. I've been writing a series of articles on uh, a building block approach for uh, test equipment and stuff like that using the, uh, the Arduinos and... Uh, in simple test equipment in uh, the last few issues of QRP quarterly. But some of the things I ran into that I wanted to do later, I needed more power. Like I say, I tried several other types of processors, and then I found the uh, ESP32, and I was just blown away with its capabilities. Uh, it's uh, dual core, 240 megahertz. It's got 4 megabyte of flash, and... Uh, SPI, I2C, I2C, 1280C channels, a uh, bunch of other stuff on it that uh, it's all included and it's all available in a module that's under $10. I just couldn't resist uh, giving it a try. I went and uh, built up a little uh, motherboard to uh, go in and try the stuff out. If I had realized I was going to be doing a test gadget, I would probably laid out the motherboard differently, but I just wanted to bring all the lines out uh, uh, so I could experiment with them. Uh, and it also works directly in the, uh, in the uh, IDE for the Arduino. Uh, the original setup was a little bit complicated, but I've just seen now that the... Uh, there's an upgrade, update to it like there with the board. So it's just part of the board manager. You can just go and download the board manager update, and uh, it'll go and configure your IDE for you. There's a lot of different boards uh, available that I've uh, seen using the uh, ESP32 module, about a half a dozen of them. Some of them have battery backup. Some of them have built-in displays. Um, there's even a little game controller kind of a thing I actually ended up buying from uh, Odroid, the Odroid Go, which is uh, already nicely packaged, and I might do something with that a little bit later. Uh, the display I'm using is a SPI display 320 by uh, two, uh, is it? Uh, I think it's 320 by 240. $10 and give me a real nice display that are available in like two, 2.8, 2.4 inches. I'm looking around at something a little bit larger, but it gives me all the graphics capabilities. I've got a lot of the routines done uh, that allows it to do that. Uh, um, I tried a couple of little projects. The uh, first one I did was a uh, uh, voltmeter, like the test gadget, instead of using the internal one, I wanted a multi-channel one, and so I found a little I2C module on eBay for 
four dollars gives me a 16 uh, 16 bit actually 16 bit sign so it's actually 15 bit four channel uh, eight a to D and uh, put that together and just uh, recently I went and uh, put together a little uh, uh, I si 5351 uh, module uh, I think the software package I wrote up for it is a three channel signal generator 5351 puts out a uh, square wave instead of a sine wave but uh, it's a nice thing gives me it gives you a range from I think the software library that I use from like 500 kilohertz to 100 megahertz gives me uh, all the frequency range that you want and a couple other things I've got I in the next couple of days I say from the article that I was writing for QQ I had a couple circuit boards made for uh, 808307 uh, power meters I'm gonna just gonna cut that out of the uh, one of the spare boards that I have mounted on the uh, same board with the SI5351 and basically able to go and build an SNA or software for a standalone uh, power meter watt meter and that's it for now George great overview Dwayne thank you and I think uh, you might have addressed one of the questions or concerns that I had and that was um, and by the way there's some great photos that Dwayne has of his platform and I added at the bottom of the page my little test setup in which I was uh, able to replicate using Dwayne's uh, framework one of <laughs> one of your frameworks I forgot which one maybe it was for that uh, the measurements uh, the test of the function of uh, the display functions but I was able to get it working but I had a heck of a time um, essentially selecting which out of all of those IO pins are available which ones to use um, there's a matrix control of how you can configure each of those those pins so a question to you right now is <clears throat> um, is there any magic to that or is there does the board manager that you mentioned handle that better or perhaps um, is there some other scheme that that can simplify that uh, if you go and look on on my blog uh, one of the diagrams that I have there shows the uh, pinout of the module that I use in the different types of uh, signals that it uses all of them can be used default as uh, as a GPIO for input or output most of them can be used for analog and some of them are especially designed for like ITC or SPI and the pins are labeled for it and a lot of that depends upon which uh, driver you get uh, I found that most of the uh, default drivers from Adafruit work real well with uh, with everything I put on there without having to go and uh, do anything other other than uh, set up a couple of defines to name the pins that I'm going to be using okay that's good to know I'll take a look at that and I figured it was probably something um, as simple as that oftentimes I'm up against a time deadline and you want to find the the simplest way to do something and without going through and really understanding the big picture I guess I was lucky in finding the three lines that I needed for the uh, controlling the DDS 60 I sent that uh, that sketch over to you 
um, maybe to use with your DDS-60s at some point if you need a sine wave. Sine waves are particularly nice in reflectometers, but you don't have to deal with all of the um, harmonics and filtering those out of any kind of um, reflected energy that you want to be uh, <clears throat> determining for reflect and reflection coefficients and so on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the joystick? Um, I, I find that most of us have grown up using, <laughs> um, grown up, i.e., in the last you know five, ten years or whatever at most, where we have microcontroller systems, we've been using a rotary encoder. So tell us about the joystick and you know the, the cost of it, the benefit of it. Do you think? And I'm, as long as it's well mounted, I found it to be really convenient to use. Yeah, uh, uh, some of my earlier, most of my earlier projects had used the rotary encoder with the push button, and then you usually ended up having to go through two or three levels if you wanted to go and uh, do any kind of uh, changes, like, well, for frequency selection, you have to change the increment and stuff. Uh, these joysticks, you know, they're part of the generic uh, stuff that's available for the uh, Arduinos. They're you know, a couple of bucks each, basically two uh, uh, 10K pots uh, wired up mechanically and a little switch that you go and push on them. I found it very, very convenient, like in the uh, uh, setting frequencies on the, uh, on the signal generator. I just, uh, movement right or left goes and changes the increment or the column that I'm going to be modifying then an up and down motion and uh, that changes the value in it. I can move down set frequencies a whole lot faster than if I had to go uh, with the uh, earlier encoder stuff, go down, hit a button to uh, change the uh, increment value, then go back up and use the rotary encoder to go and set the stuff. It, it just makes life so much easier. Uh, gives you so many more options. Um, some of the stuff that I, when I first used it, I can go and uh, on a waveform, I can scroll back and forth across the waveform. I can go up and down and uh, change the uh, scale settings and uh, or move the move the waveform up and down without having to go through a, a, a menu or another level of control. Yeah, I like that a lot. And you laid out your driver. Um, routines pretty nicely too, so I was able to pick that up and and use it without any any uh, documentation, if you will. Uh, so you've done good there, thank you. Um, golly, and maybe just a last question. So for in a, in a nutshell, for tremendous power, um, yeah, I think you said the uh, um, the processor, the ESP32 processor that you used here was ten dollars. The um, the joystick was a couple of bucks. Um, the display, how much is the display? Uh, display without the uh, uh, well, they come available with uh, a touchscreen or without. So without the touchscreen, they're probably other under ten. Uh, with the touchscreen, it might be twelve. It, it depends on where you look at them on eBay, how you get them. Like there, I think I. Got them for as low as six bucks. Excellent. Okay, so that bodes well for even keeping keeping the system uh, uh, cost down. Um, 
I'll be filling out a uh, like a chart and putting it on here. Maybe comparisons of platform versus usage versus cost versus um, other types of things. And um, I think it's it, there's a lot of possible uh, a lot of capabilities that we're looking forward to with it. Um, last question for real is um, Wi-Fi. You didn't mention too much about Wi-Fi. We've brainstormed you and I and some others about potential for. Um, um, how Wi-Fi could be used in a in a test gadget measurement station uh, type of scenario. Can you summarize that quickly? Actually, I haven't played with Wi-Fi at all. Uh, there's a lot of on YouTube. There's a series of of uh, videos on using the ESP32. I can't remember who it was called. Uh, G6 something or I don't remember his call sign, but there's several people that do great uh, videos on ESP32 and uh, setting up simple web pages. You know how to control. Well, I think they go into like controlling relays and stuff like that with the web page. But you should be able to go and uh, you know change frequencies, turn signals on and off, and stuff like that without too much of a problem. I'm not sure if I would do it for a regular test instrument, but it might be nice if you had a uh, standalone SWR meter someplace stuck in line. If you needed to go and check it, you just go and open up the web page for your SWR meter, and there it is. That's cool. That's probably the best and succinct uh, example of how it could be used, how a Wi-Fi-based test gadget might be um, remotely seen, monitored, and controlled. Uh, through a web page, or even turn the table around, have your test station motherboard itself be the Wi-Fi station that re that uh, relays everything back to the uh, to a web page for master control. Love it. Um, we can explore that a lot, perhaps, and maybe we'll have an opportunity. I had some trouble getting the the Wi-Fi libraries working, but again, with time constraints, you don't have a lot of time to to kind of. Um, drill into things. You, you'd like a simple answer quick, and we're trying to find somebody else who's done it first and kind of adapt it for our own purposes. But good. Um, are there any questions for Dwayne and the ESP32 platform? We're going to kind of wrap up in a moment by a comparison of the three, uh, talk with the guys, um, and have it like maybe be an op more of an open type of uh, Q&A about this. But right now for the ESP32, any questions for Dwayne? I have one very basic question. The display you're talking about is a monochrome display, is it not? The display I'm using is a 320 by 240 uh, full color uh, SPI interface. Oh, it is full color. Okay. I didn't see any multicolor um, um, displays in your photos, so I assumed it was a monochrome uh, Monochrome display. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Did somebody have something else? I didn't see the, the display here. All righty. Any other questions for uh, for Dwayne? Um, I guess, well, I guess... Um, we can move that on to the next section if you uh, if you're interested in it. I see Dave has left. Uh, Dave, are you back or are you still on board here? 
Okay, I'll, we can pick up uh, we can pick up that uh, pretty quickly, pretty easily for Dave. I think he said he had a slip out. Um, okay, in the, in the remaining uh, time here for the show, what I'd like to talk about is, uh, and Joe, I'm going to toss it over to you for some noodling. Uh, we were talking about this before, kind of a matrix of user versus power versus cost versus applicability, and uh, thinking what. Uh, how if any one of our uh, our current audience or the the larger podcast audience has interest in doing something along these lines which which um, uh, platform which platform would they uh, choose would it be behind door number one or platform number two or platform number three? Oh, gee well yeah the matrix will be the Matrix will be the thing I think that um, allows you to make informed decisions about which way to go, um, you know, based on the capabilities, individual capabilities, and the desires for a, a given application. Um, yeah, the, the, the matrix is is something that will be very important to uh, to develop to come up with. And one of the other things that uh, we haven't we haven't talked about in the forum, but you and I have discussed, is that um, I think the intention would be to have a set of standard sketches to do various things. Um, we've discussed it in terms of the uh, nano, but um, I, I think along the way, along with their matrix, we should have some um, standard sketches that folks can use um, basically uh, out of the box, uh, so to speak, for given applications. Um, to make it easy so they don't have to do a lot of software development. And yet, we want to have the modular so that if someone wants to uh, tailor it for um, some particular display they might have or a different type of uh, I.O. device, um, a joystick or, or uh, rotary encoder, whatever, um, make things modular so that we can uh, mix and match and uh, tailor things the way we want. A little off topic, but I think that's important to throw in as well, George. Yep, indeed, that would uh, that would be helpful, um, and we're probably going to do that uh, pretty soon, right after the show, and pop it down in as, as a final section of discussion. What is going to drive my thoughts on on that matrix again is let's consider platform number one, the Arduino Nano. And I had mentioned up at the top what the um, the typical user would be, um, and we could summarize that along the lines of uh, maybe somebody a who has one already put together. That would be a good choice to stay with. Um, somebody who would want to be making a single low cost, sing, a single function low cost uh, uh, test gadget, maybe there for the test bench, or maybe you know one. Um, uh, as Dwayne suggested, out at the, uh, um, well, maybe not as far out as at, at the antenna, but one for an antenna, one for some uh, reading the voltmeter and and such. Uh, a single function, I guess, is the is the main is the main operative word there. And um, what other things would characterize that the, the platform number one, the nano use, Joe? Well, I think one of the things that I mentioned earlier was that it could be be a very simple platform if you if you want to develop some some add-on test modules um, 
a very simple-minded uh, uh, test for it could be something that would interface with something very basic like the uh, Nano, so that uh, you could you could very quickly tweak a uh, tweak a given uh, signal generator or uh, measurement thing, uh, SWR meter, whatever, with um, with an uncomplicated platform and get a debug before you uh, before you go on to uh, um, bigger and better things with a more powerful platform that would do multiple functions. Um, having a single function platform would make it easy to use it as a test bed for uh, developing your own individual little test modules. Good points. Um, platform number two. Dave is not. Uh, Dave's not here. Uh, he had to take off. Platform number two is the. Um, the Teensy 3.2. I'm going to dial my 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 browser up to that point. Okay, so I'm looking at that one here on my screen. So the for the Teensy 3.2, a little bit more expensive. Obviously, the Teensy is uh, is 20 bucks, and whether you use a a uh, either either kind of the display that, that that it would be supporting right now the 16 by 2 uh, character display or the uh, the small um, OLED uh, display the capabilities are vastly improved over the uh, the Arduino Nano in that the number of pins in especially the amount of memory and the processor speed now, Dave has put together his Gadget Rack 2 that supports all of our current and a couple of envisioned ones. If I didn't put it in there, I'll put it, but it's a Gadget Rack uh, sketch. You can download it and take a look at it yourself, and uh, you can see the, the nice modular framework in which he's put together that, that sketch and allows all um, uh, daughter boards, all of the test gadget daughter boards to be operational at the same time if you really wanted it to be. Now again, I refer you back to that chart that we had uh, back on the February show. The link is in the, in the chat, uh, the chat uh, section. Um, there's a lot of things that we still envision controlling with our test gadget station. The Teensy has a great capability of BND controller if you want to do that. So, that said, Joe, the kind of um, application, uh, the type of user that would want to uh, put this one together um, would be somebody who wants to have multiple gadgets working all together, more of an operational subsystem, uh, several subsystems working together as an overall um, uh, function. Now, maybe that big function is, you know, is the test gadget measurement station itself, or some other, as you were alluding to, uh, taking portions of um, this module that this gadget that gadget and another gadget and put it together for a dedicated use the TNC would be and and Dave's gadget rack 2 software would uh, would be the form for that a little bit more expensive um, but in the scheme of things if you're not replicating this you know this station here or this node if you will with the TNC in it 10 times is a one-time cost uh, Joe, other observations about platform number two? Yeah, one thing that comes to mind very quickly is with the increased uh, computing capability and uh, memory, you can do more uh, massaging of the data 
Um, something that comes to mind would be something like, um, oh, it's, it's kind of off the wall, but a vector network analyzer or something of that ilk, where you're not just doing uh, individual measurements, you're um, making a big matrix of the data, whatever, and massaging it uh, mathematically to, uh, to extend the capabilities of, of what you're measuring and understanding of them. That, that comes to mind. And the fact that you could probably store up a bunch of, um, bunch of data that you might want to dump to a, um, a computer, uh, big data files. If you're doing a number of extensive measurements, dump them up to a um, big computer if you have enough memory to do that, which you would not uh, with the simple nano platform. Great observations. Now, uh, Duane, I'm going to toss it to you, and, and maybe you, in the same manner as I did, characterize <clears throat> platform number three from the perspective of uh, cost, typical user, typical application, along the lines that we are here talking about with the test gadgets. Um, and just I'll, I'll throw something in there just as a, uh, as a red herring is the um, – I see team, uh, platform two and platform three competing um, for uh, high honors, if you will. Um, the Teensy is a straight, more straightforward uh, device to program, uh, to, to configure, let's say, than the ESP32. However, if you've suggested that there are easier ways to look through and use them, the greater number of pins that it offers and for lesser price, and um, for a display system, maybe that, you know, the driver has been written nicely by you uh, as, you know, from other Arduino stuff, perhaps um, maybe the maybe the ESP32 is that platform uh, going forward. What is your thoughts on this? Uh, where does it sit in the hierarchy? OK, let me get back to the right screen here. Yeah, I uh, think the capabilities of the ESP32 uh, greatly outdistance uh, out the uh, problems that I had setting it up. And the uh, see, I haven't tried the new install yet, but it's everything I've heard. It's uh, now is just as easy to install as any other board. Uh, one of the things that was really surprised me when I first uh, started. Uh, uploading a sketch that I compiled to it like there was how much stuff is actually compiled with the uh, uh, with the program uh, I just opened up the last compile that I did on the sketch in there and right now it uploads 210k of uh, program out of available 1.3 million bytes and uh, the longer the thing that that does, it also it, it automatically loads a real-time operating system, so you can use both cores. You can go and set the thing up, have one pro have processes running on both cores, so they uh, you know interact uh, through semaphores and stuff like that. The amount of capabilities it gives you is is amazing, and and the price point, uh, the whole system put together with a you know, motherboard and everything like that. It's probably going to be under twenty dollars. That's that's really an attractive uh, 
an attractive out outlook. Um, personally, I think you're probably right. Maybe just to comment on a couple of the things you said, I, I forgot also too that it was it's kind of a it wasn't a bear to set up to download and set up the um, the IDE for the ESP32. <clears throat> it uh, but it certainly wasn't something that it, uh, that that was as easy as some of the other um, installations. And I can envision that guys would have some trouble along that line. And, you know, I said to myself, is this ever going to end? And like, what else do I have to do? And, you know, if something did not happen as, as they described in that one website that you referenced, you know, I would have a hard time in trying to figure out what went wrong. And that sort of characterizes my problem with Linux systems in general, but that's a different story. Um, but having said that, everything went right. And especially now, if you say that uh, the latest install, and I'll give that a try. The latest install is is as simple now as others. That that uh, takes that concern away. Um, two, it takes a long time, at least on my system, to compile even a simple program because it goes through and loads all the different libraries. Now I have uh, a verbose setting on my compiler in the you know the Arduino environment, um, such that it lists out every item that's happening as it goes along. Maybe it moves faster if it didn't have to do that I.O. Uh, to the to the status screen, but I'll give that a try. So long term, if we can make that ESP32 simple to uh, download and install, as we just discussed, if we are able to make it easy to configure and, uh, you know, make it straightforward for us to, you know, look at a simple starting point, maybe with sample applications, as Joe said, to use as a starting framework, and even indeed port Dave's GadgetRack 2 over to GadgetRack32 or GadgetRack ESP32 or, or something, that would be a good long-term solution. And I like long-term because, I, I like it also because long-term we want to be doing at least I want to be doing Wi-Fi control and having a processor that that is that is that inexpensive with built-in Wi-Fi in that manner to in itself serve as a web server is just amazing. So that's kind of my thought. Joe or anybody else, uh, you know, we had some pretty cool observations here. Anything to toss in? Yeah, I got a question. Um, kind of off of the wall. Probably for a hobbyist, it's not a big deal, but if you go Wi-Fi and, um, you know, you, you can talk to the world, how about security? Uh, I don't have much to offer that. I think um, security is often a, can be considered an, a, a layer, if you think about an OSI uh, pyramidal type of uh, construction of communication inside of a processor, a stack if you will. Security can often be inserted at a point that is uh, um, that is useful uh, for the given application. That said, if you're uh, in, Dwayne, I don't know what your experience is on this, but if you can indeed in, establish a, an HTTPS uh, connection, I mean using you know SSH as one as, as a layer in your system, that would resolve that concern, at least on my part. Um, Dwayne, do you happen to recall if there's an SSH option for establishing website uh, uh, or Wi-Fi connections? As I haven't played around with uh, uh, the web stuff too much, 
just watched some of the videos on it. Uh, most of them, you know, your local in-house network with the uh, login and password and stuff like that. Uh, so it's just basically the same as having uh, a computer on there. And normally, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem that somebody outside gets in and monitors the SWR on my antenna. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's my comeback. But Joe, that's a good observation. Um, any other comments? We're getting kind of close to the end, but I wanted to take uh, a moment to make sure we covered other questions. Yeah, Joe, W2JEJ, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that the current uh, issue of Elector is got featured uh, features a contest, w, a uh, ESP32 contest, and they have several ESP32 applications in this this current issue. It's excellent, by the way. Um, and I, I have set up mine as a uh, server, but for different applications, this is sensing humidity or radiation and some of the other things around the house. And uh, it's pretty pretty uh, straightforward. It's how you normally set up a uh, a uh, Wi-Fi connection, you know, secure Wi-Fi. Outstanding. That's great. Uh, great news, Joe. Thanks for pointing that out about Elector. I want to try to get my hands on a uh, that current issue and see. Heck, maybe even our test gadget uh, measurement station can can be submitted as an application. So we, the Jet with the Designers group, might be able to get some honors and recognition and uh, an application of such. Outstanding. Okay, good. Um, and it's good also to hear you, Joe, that you had, uh, that you successfully configured up the Wi-Fi with a secure connection with your ESP version. Um, oh, shoot, there was something else I had in my mind, but uh, other questions along the way? Uh, not really a question. That's a comment. Uh, I think in an email yesterday I mentioned something about the uh, adding different test gadgets. I think we, we need to kind of define kind of a standard configuration like pinouts and stuff like that or a bus structure for the gadgets. Uh, so anybody can go and build one using uh, what's already there without having to go and uh, worrying about being compatible with uh, something else somebody else is working on. That's it. We were talking about that with email, and I think Dave really agreed with you and having that uh, bus standardization of, of I.O., gadget, uh, test gadget I.O., um, test gadget um, pinouts. Um, plugging different things into the same connector. I've already started running into that problem, uh, and it's uh, it would be good to work on. I think that can be a really good, uh, they can help facilitate some really good results. Uh, was that Terry that you, did you have a question? Yeah, my uh, good evening. Uh, my first question is, which, which button on the keyboard pushes the push to talk? <laughs> no, um, I just wanted to comment. Um, Elector also has a book that's come out um, on the ESP32, a um, bunch of tutorials. And another one is by, if you look up, look up random nerd tutorials, and I put it down in the chat box, um, they have a whole series of 8266 and now ESP32 tutorials, including using um, the ESP32s with MQTT and a bunch of other 
uh, a bunch of other projects. Um, they have uh, a series of projects. They have, I think, videos and other stuff. So that's another place, if, especially I'm sure they're doing security uh, based on controlling t uh, um, the temperature in a house, the thermometers and um, thermostats, excuse me, and other stuff. So that might be another good source for security. That is terrific um, references, uh, Jerry. Thank you. Um, I th at first, I looked at your comment, and I was kidding. I was I was thinking you were kidding around, saying random nude, random nerd tutorials, random nerd tutorials. I say that slowly for those on the podcast. Um, but those indeed are that can be looked up that 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 string and uh, for ESP32 tutorials. Um, and that brings to mind um, one other comment by me, uh, or my own observation, is that we, Dave, Dave and I, um, Dave mostly, <clears throat> has developed uh, um, for the SNA, the Midnight SNA um, uh, kit, um, a whole series of tutorials, um, maybe 10 or 11, uh, that help on uh, the a new user, if you will, and how to um, test and use the SNA uh, kit, and use it at you know for different applications, uh, measuring crystals, measuring antenna, and so on. Having that kind of support, a series of, of tutorials on how to use test gadgets seems like a really nice, extensible way to uh, help others understand what they have and help them get it working. So I like that concept a lot. Um, any final comments? All right, uh, we're going to wrap things up now. And Joe, I'm going to toss it over to you in a second. I just wanted to mention that next time for the next show in September, and I, September 11th, I think, is uh, the date that was selected. The um, um, we're going to go back, and I, we're probably going to keep track on these three platforms, but we also are going to go now to start using the platform for measurement along the lines of an SNA. And mentioned tutorials a moment ago. One of Dave's tutorials, uh, tutorial 10, I, I'm not sure what number, really is a great breakdown for that kind of diagram that's listed at the top of this page, whereby we take the SIGGEN module, we inject some, <clears throat> some um, RF energy, and measure the output of that uh, test circuit. For that uh, test circuit, we're going to be using crystals, and we're going to be, um, again, using the SNA or that, that Scalar Network Analyzer, SNA, to um, uh, an SNA function um, with our test gadget to measure the characteristic of the crystals. Maybe it's a center frequency, maybe it's the Q, maybe it is uh, some input and output uh, characteristics, uh, characteristics of the crystal itself. So we have a great show, and actually it was on the blocks uh, uh, contending for today, uh, this month's um, show, but we wanted to kind of get some groundwork, some basic groundwork, because I do feel that we're moving toward a more powerful platform but still without abandoning the, the, the basic demonstrator purpose of the Arduino Nano. Uh, Joe, do you want to take us home, please? Yeah, a lot to summarize. I'll, I'll try to be uh, brief with it. Um, we've done, what we've done tonight is to describe a, um, 
a family, if you will, of uh, some um, pro uh, simple processor um, test setups based on uh, three different uh, three different processor boards: the Nano, the uh, uh, yeah, I forget what the second one was. The, <laughs> the, the Nano, a more sophisticated processor. The Teensy. And, uh, go ahead. The Teensy. The Teensy, yes, the Teensy processor, and uh, and the uh, ESP32. Um, the idea is that uh, you can make a spectrum of um, gadgets with uh, increasingly more powerful uh, processors to uh, to do more sophisticated things. It's not necessarily just just one uh, one thing, one uh, complicated gadget to uh, to come up with a test system, you can tailor the um, type of processor and the architecture you're doing based on exactly what you want to do. Um, you don't have to use all the horsepower you have to do something very simple. On the other hand, if you want to do something um, fairly complicated with uh, multiple uh, test devices you're controlling and want to do some sophisticated display and data handling, you might want to go for the more sophisticated platforms. Um, what we're going to attempt to do um, as the future goes on is to develop a matrix of suggested uses, uh, pros and cons for each of the uh, each of the platforms we've discussed. And um, as time progresses and we get more and more uh, test modules that will plug into these, we'll come up with a, um, a, a library of um, test sketches that uh, we'll be able to basically just plug into um, the appropriate module or the appropriate uh, platform and um, uh, without too much hassle um, achieve a, a test setup of your own. Um, it's an evolving project. Um, it looks very exciting and I think there's a lot of good things we can do in the future and we'll try our darndest to document these quite well and um, uh, aid people who, who can ask us questions um, um, by individual email or on the chat with the designers uh, list, probably the best way so that we can clarify things and get the info out to people. And of course, the final documentation will be on the chat with the designers webpage. So until next time, um, where we'll talk about a specific application, um, that's it for tonight. Thank you all for participating. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, everybody. Good night, and uh, we'll see you next time. And thanks again very much, Duane, for showing up and <clears throat> and helping us uh, see through the uh, ESP32 opportunities. I think we I think we've got a winner. Yeah, I am very impressed with the uh, capabilities for the uh, or, you know for the 10-hour processors. Just almost unbelievable what you can get. <laughs>